presentation is from Design Research 2021, Day 3. Hi, Megs. Hello. Lovely to see you, Steve. And you. If you are ready, I will hand it over to you. Thank you very much. So today, what I'm going to be starting with is, and then a hippo walked into the room. And I started this conversation and I was talking to some friends about it the last couple of days and they aren't in design. And they turned to me and said, what's a hippo? So before we move any forward, a hippo is the highest paid person in the organisation. Or for many of us, it's the highest paid um, person in the room. And these are people who can swoop in and make a comment that can change your whole organisation. It can change your whole project. So today, what I'm going to be talking to is four stories and associated lessons on navigating the world of politics. So first one I'm going to start with is actually a story from my first professional job. I started working at what was then called Pacific Access and is now Census in 1995. And we were a small group. We were sitting across, we've been put into sort of a, a, our little group all by ourselves away from the main office. And we were doing the cutting edge work of creating CD-ROMs, putting yellow pages online. And it was one of the first commercial sites that went online in Australia and doing things like working in the Microsoft closed network. You sit there and go, oh, my gosh, that was so behind. But actually, it was leading the way at the time. And I was there as probably one of the most junior people. I was a research assistant and I was working as someone who was providing all the information to the group. The thing in, to realise in 1995 is that no one actually knew anything about the internet and we didn't have the online resources we have now. You couldn't type something into Google and get up a whole bunch of information about what was happening in the world of social media or what was happening in the world of the commercial internet. It just didn't exist. So my job was to create what's called a clippings library. A clippings library was I would go through all of the publications that we got every day. So three newspapers. I got The Economist. I had lots of different trade publications coming to me. And I would go through those and mark off the ones that I wanted, cut them out and put them on pieces of paper. I was creating a, kitting, a, a library of all of this and I had a database where I would enter in all of this information. And it was the way that we would then be able to find additional information when we were looking for it. Now, at a certain point in time, I wanted to work more on the actual website. And I started working and doing, I uh, became the Yellow Pages site coordinator. But we still needed that information from the, for the website, for the organisation. And we talked and we worked out who could do some help. And that person was the office manager. Now, she was not pleased, not pleased at all that she was helping me. I was the lowest of the low. And she didn't do the work. Now, here's my first mistake. And my first mistake was not actually understanding that she had the ear of she had the ear of the manager of the group she also had the ear of the um, office manager who of the director of marketing she was also the connector she was one of those social people who was the connector of everyone i didn't get that i didn't get that actually this was not business this was politics 
So when I went, when she refused, the first thing I did was I escalated. And actually, I shouldn't have escalated. I should have actually had a conversation with her and understood that. But I didn't have that, the knowledge of that. And it came to a point where she blank, blankly refused to do the work. And I was really upset with her. And she then took, had her power. And her power was that I got shunned from the group. And I wasn't invited to stuff. So she was the social linchpin and she had the power across the rest of the network, but also with the actual boss themselves. This was detrimental to me. So my lesson for you from this is to understand the network of relationships because you never know who has the ear of the boss. And there's two things that I want you to do in all of these. I'm going to go through some activities and some key questions for you to be able to apply this. So the first one is, do your stakeholder mapping. Actually understand in your stakeholder mapping, who do you have the connection with? If you only have the connection at the lowest level, then you don't actually have any influence. And then understand and identify the relationships you have with others and their relationships within the group. So if someone actually, this office manager, has incredibly connections with the managers and the directors, you need to get her on side. And I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that political mouse to be able to do that. And the questions you're asking yourself is, who has the power? Who persuades others? Who's the cool kid? She was the cool kid and I was the total nerd. And what are the relationships within the network? My lesson two, you need to manage the client's boss. Now, this can actually apply to anyone's boss's boss, but never assume that they are up to date and have approved the work. I was working in an agency in London and we were doing some work with a, with a large law firm. And I was working very, very closely with the, what I realised now was a fairly junior marketing manager. And she had been, we were doing two things for them. We were developing the brand online and we were creating a CMS so that she could publish marketing information online. And we had gone through the whole process and she was very detailed orientated. So there was lots of feedback through the whole thing. And we got to the last meeting and we were presenting to her boss and we'd never met him before. And through the presentation, I realized that there was a couple of conversations happening to the side. And then they asked us to move out to, to, and that they would ask us to come back in. And what had happened was the senior marketing manager, marketing director, actually hated the design, hated it with a passion. And it seemed like it was the first time he'd ever seen it. So we came back in and he told us how much he hated it. And we had to go into damage control moment. There was that moment of going, what do we do now? So we, you know, we were an agency. We took, the, took it and we went and redesigned it and redesigned it. So I did the, probably the equivalent of the first piece of work again to meet this new manager's job, that manager's uh, expectations. And when I think back, I sit there and go, she obviously, we thought she had the connections into her organisation and she obviously did not do it. And therefore, it's on her, but it's also on us for not asking the right questions. 
So in this case, what I'd like, I want my recommendation is, is that at every start of the project, you understand the reporting sign-off lines. And to do that, I will always do a racing matrix. That feels very old school. So what's responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. And if I had done that with this particular marketing manager, we may have had a realisation that the person who was actually going to sign it off very quickly, the person who was accountable, was her boss. And we needed to have some visibility with that person. So the key questions from this is, who ultimately signs off the work? Are they involved in the project now? And who's keeping them abreast of what's happening? My third lesson learnt is about creating relationships outside of your direct reporting line. The hippo will care for their team. You need to be at least in their eye line. So this is a story about me working at the BBC. At the BBC, I had three different roles. The first role was I set up an information architecture group working with the content management system. My second role, I uh, led a project to create program information pages, which is now the program information platform. And it was to create information that was archived or that was uh, live information for every program that was broadcast on the BBC radio and TV. My third job, I was the executive producer in charge of core products. And core products included search and navigation and program information, voting and email broadcast. And all of those were used, and there was a, a number of other pro small products as well. All of those products were ones that are being used by the different departments around the digital area. So I was in Central, New Media Central, and there was all the different groups that would actually use our products to communicate to their customers. Now, I'm telling you this um, because I, my, the hippo that I was working for thought of me as an information architect. They didn't think of me as the person who was leading the, the business. And because it was such a large business and such a large organisation and we had hundreds of people and up to in the whole of the digital world, we would have had between 1,100 and 1,500 people always working in digital. So it's a large digital organisation uh, as part of a media. Uh, and I was matrix managed, as, as you would think. And I had three bosses who were looking after me from a um, technical perspective. So that was Andy, Robin, Ian. And I loved Andy, Robin, Ian, and I would think of them all as one word, and I would go to each of them for different things. But the person I didn't take into consideration was the controller of the internet. Now, I love that. I love that, um, that title, controller of the internet. In BBC land, it meant that he was the equivalent of the controller of BBC One and BBC Two. So these are people who looked after a full television channel. And therefore, he had the power, he had the authority over digital or the internet at that time. Now, he had three people he worked with and who he protected very, very strongly. And I went in and I said, I have responsibility. I have responsibility for 12 products. And those 12 products, um, I want to put a strategy together. And Andy, Rob and Ian were very, very supportive for me to put that strategy together with my team to say, this is where I think we should be going. 
What I didn't realise is that the controller of the internet and his team felt that they owned the strategy for all of my products and that I was an implementer of their strategy. And this all came to a head when I started working on um, redo, redoing the licence for search. And so every five years, we actually had to go through the EU procurement um, process to actually find a new search engine or even renew the contract. And my team, we went through so much. It was a long, hard process. We did it all. I got the full documentation right. Pro fabulous project manager I worked with. And we sent it out. And an hour later, Andy came and sat next to me and said, the controller of the internet has made a decision. We are going with this search engine. We're going with News' search engine. And I sat there and I cried. I cried because my team had spent so much time doing this. I cried because we were in so much pressure to get this EU process done correctly. And I cried because I then realised I hadn't made the relationship that was needed for my work and the work that the team was doing to be implemented. I realised I had not made that relationship with the controller of the internet. And when I look back at it now, I sat there and realised that I had managed down very well and I had worked with my bosses very well, but I hadn't developed that relationship with the control of the internet. I hadn't sat there and said, what are we doing and why are we doing this? What do you need and what do you see as your vision? I was doing a lot of communicating up, but not working with. So my lessons for you on this type of case is I want you to sit there and have a look at them and say, treat that person as your boss. I should have sat there with that control of the internet and said, what do you want and how can we work together? I needed to manage up exclusively, mainly because he wasn't going to manage down. Therefore, what you need to do is think about these three key questions. If a key decision is being made, will I be informed by that person? Have I asked them what they need to be successful? And what are their strategic goals? And you've got to align yours to theirs. And my last story is actually a story of being fairly good at this. I've failed a lot. This one's one of being okay. So I was working at uh, JB Hi-Fi and was doing a large project. I was working at the business aspect. And in that, um, so we were doing a migration from EpiServer to Shopify Plus. And I had three directors that I had to work with. There was my boss, the director of marketing. There was the director of strategy and the director of IT. And I decided because this is not, not my conscious element, it's not my unconscious, I don't do it unconsciously, that I needed help to get to that point of saying, how do I work with these three people? And so I went to the one person I thought could really help me. And that was the director of HR, the one woman at their level. And she and I, we spent, we did this over three, we did sort of three meetings over 12 months and talked about how I could actually work with them. And my focus when we, we talked about it was the director of IT, because I felt that he was the one who was key for me to actually make these, make these uh, decisions. 
So I consciously went and asked him to go out to breakfast with me. And we set up going out for fortnightly breakfasts for me to get to know him. He wasn't going to sit down and say, Mags, come and work with me. Come and talk to me. I'm going to meet with you every day. He actually, I needed to make that relationship. And what I, what took me aback, the first thing he said to me is, what do you want from me? And I was just like, whoa, okay. What I want from you is to develop a relationship and understand who you are. So by the end of this uh, time with him in over 12 months, he and I got to the point of sharing that we both lived in the UK. He could talk about his holidays. We talked about our relationships with our, our families. We talked about what I could do to support him and he could do to support me. And he was actually one of the people I sat down with when we didn't deliver the product at the right time. Um, and I said to him, I'm a failure. And he said, it's not on you. If you're a failure, I'm a failure because it's my team who's supposed to be delivering. So I developed a relationship with him that I, by really consciously doing it. So I want you to start to think about this when it comes to the senior people and start thinking about the relationships outside of meetings. So in the before times, we would do coffee, breakfast, lunch outside of the office. And now it's actually personal Zoom meetings. So seeing if you can get that personal connection to them. The three questions for you. How do we work together? What do you need from me? And who are you? So what I'd like you to take out of this is to think about your own experiences. Think about where you are right now. And if any of these particular case studies, these stories resonate with you and work out what could you do today. And thank you. If you would like to contact me, you can get to me via email or LinkedIn. My phone's there. Or if you ever just want to catch up and have a 30 minute, you can sit down and talk to me on, uh, make an uh, appointment with me on Calendly.